0: So this morning we're talking a bit about abundance and the blessings of abundance and what comes alongside a life filled with abundance. Um, Last weekend I had some family up. We had our Thanksgiving last weekend because this weekend's always so crazy for us and things are going on. So we had my family up last weekend and we were so desperately holding on to the concept of summer that we went kayaking. It was maybe a mistake (laughs) because when we were kayaking, I had my hoodie up like zipped all the way in. So I'm peeking out of this little hole of my hoodie and I had my sweater down over my hands and I'm trying to kayak without getting anything wet, nothing wet. But the thing was is that we got our dog that came alongside with us and, and he went swimming and then he got tired. And so where does the dog go when he gets tired? right into your kayak with you. So of course, we got soaking wet and we were so cold. So we're we finally I'm finally at peace with the concept that it is officially fall in my heart. Fall is a season of everything pumpkin spice. Who's having pumpkin pie tonight? Pumpkin pie? Yes, you guys know what's up. Any apple pies in the place? You guys are ready? Some of you guys aren't having pie? All right, that's fine. No, a little bit of judgment, but not very much. Fall is a season of everything pumpkin spice I ha- and, and fall accessories, mittens and hats and scarves to decorate yourself with all kinds of accessories. It's the time of putting the heat back on. Hallelujah, <laughs> Putting the heat back on and of Thanksgiving meals in the oven crock pots. For farmers, it's a season of harvesting. Of reaping what's been sowed and, and appreciating the fruits of our labor. It's the time of change, a change in color, of temperature, and of scenery. In lots of ways it's a perfect season to be intentional about the change that we want to see in our own life. To give more time and energy and attention to the things that really matter the matter the most and to recognize what areas are worth sowing into so that we would reap the harvest of that. What is really worth those areas? What's, what area? So what are you most thankful for? I know that some, so we, we said, you know, five things that you're most thankful for. What are the things that you're most appreciative of? In some families, there's a long-standing tradition at Thanksgiving and maybe you have this too where you gather around the table and every person goes around the table saying what they're most appreciative for, what they're most thankful for. That's a Thanksgiving tradition in some families. So what are you most thankful for? I had a student that used to come and say, you know, what if you only had tomorrow what you were thankful for God to today? Like, oh, thank you for heat, thank you for warm water, thank you for water, thank you for my house, thank you. You know, there's so many things that we have to give thanks for. We live in a 3% of the world that lives in such privilege. So how thankful we are for our possessions and our freedoms and the people in our life. But most of us, when we go around and say those, th- those things that you're most appreciative of, we appreciate the things. We appreciate the possessions. But the most common answer is the people that are in our life. We're so thankful for friends and family that we choose to live our life alongside. And I believe that that reflects the values of Jesus. Because while he gave thanks for material objects and food and things like that, he was most, the most important thing to Jesus was people. In fact, he loved us so much that he became human. He, so that whoever believed in him would not pass away but have eternal life, and not just any life, not just any life, but John 10.10 says that Jesus came to give life, to bring life and life to the full. Life to the full. What does that look like? Life to the full. Every person wants a good life. No one thinks, you know, you wake up in the morning and my life's gonna be horrible today and I'm gonna make sure of it. <laughs> you know, no one thinks that. You want a good life and you wanna be intentional to go about making you have a, g- forming a good life around you. But the thing is that not everybody goes about it the right way. There's some people that are going about making a good life for themselves and they measure it by the amount in their bank account. Or they measure it by what l- rung of the ladder they are on the corporate scale. Or simply others by living for the weekend. But Scripture opens up a dialogue that focuses on things like our possessions and says, you know what, we got to be good stewards of what we've been given, but don't worry. This is Matthew 6. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans or the ungodly run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And all of these other things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When Jesus says that he's come to give us life and life to the fullest, he's giving us, a, he's opening up the door for a different value system. We don't have to seek out the things that are possessions. We don't have to seek the corporate ra- ladder. We don't have to seek the bank account amount. We, ha- we seek his kingdom first and his righteousness of not focusing on material items, but of something higher and greater. Unpacking the Greek word of the full from John 10:10, 10, it we get words like extraordinary we get words like much more and uncommon and abundant. Hey, your life is uncommon. Not very many people get your life. Hey, your life is abundant. Yes, yes it is. Hey, your life is extraordinary. Your life is much more. Those are words that I want to describe my life and they come as benefits of a life lived alongside Christ, of a Christ-centered life. If we want to live a life of abundance beyond anything we can hope for or imagine we don't look to the world and its stuff we look to our God and his ways amen with that come several life-altering benefits that come with a life lived alongside Jesus with a Christ-centered life and there's there's three there's boundaries there's commitment and there's relationship Jesus describes them in John 10 with the imagery of shepherding the sheep. There's it should be up on the screen in a minute. (laughs) Um, Boundaries, commitment, and relationship, all out of John 10. It says, Therefore Jesus said again, Truly, very truly, I tell you that I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come and go and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. He keeps going and says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not go uh, and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father and I will lay down my life for the sheep. This imagery would be very familiar to the audience. Very familiar to who Jesus is speaking to because they would have had the Old Testament memorized by the time they were a preteen. That is impressive. Goals for youth ministry. Voltage? (laughs) Old Testament? Lamentations? Let's do it. They had the majority of the Old Testament memorized. And so when it comes to this, that imagery that Jesus, that I am am the good shepherd, it would have instantly drawn their minds back to the Psalms where David is talking out of Psalms 23. And this is maybe very familiar. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley the darkest valley I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows and surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever Amen. we know that very familiar right for some and that's great so Jesus is using these two scripture verses in the Old Testament where it was God and the New Testament is Jesus in the person. He's speaking out these words and they connect together. And he's, this imagery would be uh, recognized by the people. And there's blessings that several, these gather connecting uh, passages, gather several blessings that, uh, that amount to Amount to life with Jesus in the, in the abundance and we've said them before boundaries commitment and relationship So the first one is boundaries boundaries as a blessing for abundant life That doesn't sound right <laughs> does it boundaries may not seem like a blessing or at least a fun blessing But it is a beneficial one Statistics show that children raised in homes with healthy, enforced boundaries are more likely to succeed because the boundaries provide stability, clear expectation, and safety. You're more likely to succeed when there's healthy boundaries placed in your life. When, when was the last time that we thanked God for the boundaries he gave us? The thing is that boundaries that God gives us aren't uh, so that he can just laugh at us and say, oh, Sucker they are to set us up for success for example if we want healthy relationships with others if we want to have the best life that we can be in, in connection to the people around us well maybe we shouldn't lie to them maybe we shouldn't want and desire and covet the things that that they have You know that makes things complicated or maybe we shouldn't steal from them and most likely we shouldn't try to to kill them and those are four of the ten commandments these are Boundaries that God puts in place to help us have an abundant, healthy, and good life. Those are things that are helpful. God's rules or boundaries are drawn to help provide the best life that we can have without hurting ourselves or without hurting other people. It's like parenting. It's like telling a kid who's you know, Thanksgiving dinner's cooking and every element on the stove is on at high speed and their kid's coming up and you can see it, like, don't touch the stove. Well... Is that because you're a cruel parent, or is it because you want to keep them safe? You're not cruel. You're protecting that child. The kid reaches up and touches the burning element. That's going to hurt them. They're going to get burned. But as a parent, you want to keep them safe and protect them. You can touch it when it's cold. That's a good boundary. Psalms 23 says, you make me lie down. You make me lie down. That's verse 2. Verse 2 also says, he leads me. And verse 3 says, he guides me. Psalms 23 is full of boundaries placed for us. He leads us. Don't go over there. Come over here. He leads you. Okay, come this way. Come this way. Don't go over there. Come this way. And he also says, he makes you lie down. Sheep are stubborn. So he gets you to come over. He lead. He makes you lie down in green pastures. And John 10 says, Jesus describes himself as the gatekeeper. And in both passages, he describes himself as a shepherd and anciently shepherds would be uh, shepherds had their sheep within the within the outer walls of their home so it's like having a whole herd of sheep in your backyard yikes that would be interesting here in Espanola. so nothing could get them nothing could get at them because they were in en- enveloped and they were in the boundary of the walls and nothing could come in or out without the gatekeeper or the hired hand Coming in with the keys to unlock them and let them in and out. With the door open, the sheep could go in and out freely to pasture when it was safe, knowing that the sheep would respond to the voice of the, sh- the shepherd or the hired the shepherd. He would respond to the shepherd. So you have all these sheep enveloped in this wall, and the only person that comes in and out, or lets them come in and out, would be the gatekeeper. And only when it was safe, the boundaries aren't there, so that we can laugh or that God can laugh at us. The boundaries are there so that it's keeping us safe. In the same way Jesus is our keeper, he keeps out the thief which repremen- represents mischief. Um, the thieves are normally aren't coming for good intentions, they're coming to steal and to kill and to destroy and the robber which indicates violence, um, it keeps them out. The boundaries that are created there are for our benefit. So when we hear things like no, or we hear things like, wait, from God, we can trust him that he's got our best interests in mind. It, was, it would be like saying no to a sheep. You can't go out there, there's a wolf. You can't go out there, there's a skunk. Don't go out there. No, wait. When Jesus gives us boundaries, as a gatekeeper, he's keeping us, he's protecting us, and he's giving us opportunity to trust him Sometimes we act like the sheep, though, that really, really, really wants to go outside and rushes at the door and just headbutts it until it dents. You know, we're that sheep sometimes. We negotiate or leap uh, right over the boundary in place because we don't like the answer. No, wait. We're not, sometimes we're not great at that. Areas that we negotiate with God are areas that aren't surrendered and we need to learn to trust God with those boundaries because he has our best interests in mind. It's interesting with the gatekeeper imagery because when the coast is clear, when there's no danger, it says that the sheep are able to go in and out. When the door is open, go ahead. They have freedom, they have complete freedom to go in and out with the understanding that they would hear and respond to the voice of the one calling them to keep them safe. So do we recognize God's voice and will we be trusted to respond? Boundaries are by far the hardest blessing to accept because I'm convinced that every one of us still have a little bit of a teenager in us. Where there's something, a caution sign that says hot, what's the first thing you want to do? How hot is it? Is it really hot? Testing that out. Testing the boundaries. The sign's only there so no one gets in real trouble. But the boundaries God gives us are there for our benefit and they're not meant to walk the line on. It's not meant to say, well, how far can I walk on the line? How far can I get until it's crossing over the line to sin? How far can I get in order to, you know, do what I want but still honor God? But the thing is is that the, the boundaries are there. They're not there to focus on the line. We're there to focus on Jesus. We're there to toe the line. We're not there to walk on it. We're there to get... As close to Jesus as humanly possible so when we focus on how close can I get to the boundary we're focusing on the completely wrong thing where we have to focus on the one who gave it to us and trust him that he will lead and guide us and protect us like a good shepherd does to sheep Jesus is abundant living and peace and abundant living is being told by God no and then completely trusting that the source of that no has our best interest in mind and wants us to live life to the fullest Boundaries protect and guide us into a fullness of life that Jesus has in mind for his people. The second is commitment. Commitment. Psalm 23 says, your rod and staff, they comfort me. The reason the rod and staff comfort a sheep is because they're used for protection. They have multiple uses, but one of them is used for protection. So when something comes at them, like a wolf or a bear or something fierce, the rod and the staff comfort the sheep because they know that the shepherd is going to keep them safe with with their protective weapons. These are more than just walking sticks; they're used for protection. John 10 describes the contrast of the hired hand's um, commitment to the flock versus the shepherds. In verse 12, it says, "The hired hand is not the shepherd, and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs the other way. When the she- when the and then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters. The men." runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. In contrast, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I will lay down my life for the sheep. The hired hand runs. The one that is committed to us, the one that is connected with us, the one that has a tie to us, who loves us, who cares for us, who owns our heart, that is a good shepherd and he will lay down his life for the sheep. When danger comes a calling, the hired hand is gone to save their own skin. By contrast, the shepherd does not. They are fully committed to those who are their own to the point where they risk their lives to protect the sheep. And like David in in the Psalms, David was an an image of this. Like David at a young age risking his life taking on lions and bears to protect his own, this was a foreshadowing of the completed work of Jesus. Because while David was a shepherd, he may have risked his life with the animals and the fierce things that were coming at his sheep. Jesus was able to commit that, uh, to, to fulfill that calling. and says he fully committed to his people. He, is f- he came and he died. He gave his life for the sheep. And then rose again and gave us that free life. Jesus is fully committed to you to the point of going to the cross to set you free. We live in a culture of distractions and immediate responses, and we get committed to silly things like streaks on Instagram or looking at our morning, um, morning coffee, streaks on Snapchat, and looking at Instagram and our morning coffees or our summer beach time. We get committed to the silliest thing, you name it. But we are made for so much more. We are made commit to the shepherd who gave it all for us with the same dedication that he showed to us. It's true that he set us free. It's true that he set us free, but it's so much more than to just get greedy with luxury. It's for purpose and growth and powerful influence in the world that needs grace and love and hope and peace more than than anything else every day. He came to give us life to the fullest and the best way to live that fullest life is alongside of a God who committed so deeply to us that he died for us. That is our first calling. Psalm 23 says that his goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That commitment is there our whole life long, dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is committed to us. Finally, the third one is relationship. The greatest of the benefits of the abundant living with Jesus is relationship by far because it is personal and it is ongoing for our whole life. Our God is not far away, he's closer than our next breath. He draws near to us when we draw near to him. He finishes the work that he starts in us. He makes straight a path where we need it the most, when we trust in him. He makes a table for us amongst our enemies. He is Jesus, he is the God who became human and walked in our sandals, he experienced our life, he cooked breakfast on a beach for his closest friends and he walked the eastern world to connect with people. John 10, 14 says, I know my sheep, and they know me. Another, when you break down that word, when you really focus on it, it says, no, absolutely. Nothing is hidden. He knows us. To be fully known, to be fully accepted, good and bad, he understands and he knows us. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Psalm 23, surely your goodness and your love will follow me. Those aren't things of something that just owns like a helping hand. Those are Jesus words. This says, I am committed to you. I love you. I care for you. He's not holding us at a distance. He brings us in. says, My goodness and my love for you will follow you. It's not just to a commitment, but connection and the affection between a leader and led. And that God builds a table for us to dine with him to be with him. He builds a table amongst our enemies, so we have nothing to worry about. We can sit in amongst all of our enemies and still be with him and say, oh God, you're good, because he's got us. He protects us, that relationship of simply being with him. Nothing to fear, because we are connected to and with God. And verse 4 earlier in John 10, it says that when he brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. That's relationship. That's connection. That's constant speaking to back and forth. That's a prayer life is what that is. There were lots in the New Testament who were committed to God. Lots who were committed to God and they followed the Old Testament law faithfully. They were so committed But when they encountered the embodiment of God in Jesus, they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize the reality of the person of God before them. Relationship with God is different than following boundaries properly or committing to an institute. We can have boundaries and commitment, but that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is relationship with our Jesus. It's, con- it's commitment and boundaries all wrapped up within relationship with Jesus. That's what it is. It is getting close to Jesus, as close as we possibly can, and knowing him from the ancient texts, from talking with him, and through worship. As modeled by Jesus being our shepherd, there is no such thing. I was talking about our student, to our students about this. There is no such thing as a perfect Christian. No such thing. We are simply led. We simply are guided. We simply know him. We know his voice and we respond. That's what being a believer is about, relationship with Jesus, knowing him, connecting with him. Our faith is about how close can we possibly get in relationship to Jesus and how can we reflect his life. Those are the three blessings of a simple gospel. This message is called Simple Gospel because it is just that. That is simply the gospel. Getting close to Jesus, God's commitment to us to die on a cross for us so that we would have a pure and beautiful, close relationship with him, within, keeping within boundaries that actually help us and keep us safe. That's the gospel. At its, at its broken down 140 characters, that's what it is, is who he is. Can I have the worship team come on back up? The relationship with God and the commitment that he has for us is such a beautiful thing, but it's the relationship that is that is the strongest. It's the real life of life to the fullest. So when we want life and life to the fullest, that's what it looks like. Do you have life to the fullest? Do you have the commitment that, you, that Jesus made with you? Did you accept that commitment that he made to you? Do you have a deep and desperate relationship with him where you just want to be with him? to be quiet before him, or to tell him everything about your day, or to share with him all the things that are in and outs of your life. Since it's the season of reaping and sowing of fall change and colors, of natural changes, which area are you most interested in in changing or connecting to? Which Which area, which blessing are you most desiring to see God bring more about in your life? Is it Um, is it the boundaries? You say, you know what, I really, I navigate my life with God. I Like, you know what, God, you said this, but I'm kind of going to, you know, do we navigate, do we negotiate with God? Maybe there's boundaries in your life that you know that you've leaped over the line. You know that you've gone way above and beyond um, what those lines were for. And you want to say, Jesus, just, you know what, your boundaries are for helping me. So Lord, help me to trust you. And maybe that's you. And if that is, I want you to get the opportunity to, to just connect with him. Say, you know what, Jesus, I'm sorry for crossing that line. I know that you are good. I know that your boundaries are here for helping me, and I want to live an abundant life with you within the boundaries of safety. Or maybe for you, it's connected or commitment. You know, you're more committed to a coffee than you are for anything else, and I know that that's totally speaking to me. Coffee is my jam. But when it comes to Jesus connecting with him, that commitment that he showed to us, that he bled, he, he sweat blood because he was so stressed, he was so anxious about going to the cross, and yet he said, you all know what, God, more of me and less of you, more of you and less of me. That's the commitment that he showed to us. So maybe you want to just refresh that commitment and say, you know what, Jesus, I've been doing my own thing and I just want to see I want to see my life transformed. Let me commit it all to you. I want to see people saved and transformed in my life. I want to see people redeemed. And Lord, start with me. Have that altar time where I just come before you. Or maybe your relationship. You say, you know what? If Jesus showed up in person, would I recognize him? Would I hear his voice? And when I do hear his voice, do I respond? I want to... I wanna give you opportunity to respond. We're not in a hurry, we're in the presence of God. So why don't you stand to your feet and just have a op- time of open conversation with Jesus. Go ahead, stand to, stand to your feet. So whether what commitment are you ready to make? Is it boundaries or is it commitment? Is it relationship? Which area are you hoping to focus on? I just want you to have that conversation with Jesus right now, I'm gonna give you some time. Just invite the Holy Spirit to come and talk to him about one of these areas, go ahead.